VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to MyBookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet the football this season, bet with MyBookie. Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of the year. Join now and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code CHAIR, that's C-H-A-I-R, to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Boys, it's Jeremy W. Miller. Neil the rebound. Kevin Alley brings it up. Throws it across. Miller for three. Over the rebound for his ninth. 18 points, nine rebounds, six oh. assists for James. Oh, oh the chicken! Double time! Miles Turner! Yeah! Welcome to the NBA, my friend! Turner sets the screen. Oh, 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 no. oh, oh, no. right Don't let him throw it down like that! Victor on the defense! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Born Ready to Pod Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Born Ready to Pod podcast. I am your host, Chris Cook, and here with me today, my co-host, Eric Hawk. It's uh, actually, no, it's Thursday now, so we're over halfway through the week. Hawk, how has this week been for you so far? It's been good. I just bought a, a closed steamer. Seems like my closet's just full of wrinkled stuff, so I decided to make an adult purchase, and I'm not going with the classic uh, iron. I'm going with the steamer because I've heard I've heard all the rave about that. So I'll uh, I'll keep you guys updated. Yeah, I'm not a. You'll have to definitely keep me in the loop because I'm not a an iron guy, especially. I mean, I get I have to wear to work my fair amount of dress dress shirts. Um, I don't like to iron though, because I feel like it always leaves like a stain or something on the shirt, especially if it's a white t-shirt. So if you can give me good reviews on that steamer, I might have to invest in one myself. Yeah, for sure. I'm just, I was just tired of looking in my closet. It just wrinkled stuff. And I, I always just threw it in the dryer before. And sometimes in a time crunch, I I feel like I'm just one day going to sit down and iron everything I got and just put it away. And then in six months, do it all over again. Yeah, sounds like a plan to me. So, all right, today, today's special episode, it's part two of this six-part series that we have. Before we dive into that, I do want to say I just found some some interesting news. Pacers training camp, actually, no, first off, Pacers media day, next Friday, it starts September 27th, followed by the next day, the Pacers start training camp on that Saturday, September 28th. Uh, they're allowed to start a couple days earlier because they're playing in the uh, NBA uh, over global games, and they're playing in India. Uh, I can't remember who they're playing against. Is it the is it the Kings? It's the Kings, October fourth and fifth. Yeah. So Pacers training camp just a little over a week away. Um, I know we're in Colts season right now, so we're 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 very focused on that. But can you believe that you know just a little less than a week and a half away, the Pacers will be going into training camp. It's definitely hard to believe, but at the same time, I feel like these days have just grueled by with nothing on besides baseball for so long. So now that football started, it seems like it's moved a little quicker these past couple weeks. And here's my next question. Are we going to be investing in NBA League Pass again this year? Is that just going to be a one-year wonder for us? 
I, I mean, we got to. That's I mean, what I it's, felt. For split between three people, it's like what, like thirty-three bucks each. That's totally worth it. Yeah, it's uh, it was totally worth it last year. You could watch literally any game, and you get like five screens. So. Uh, I was thinking about that the other day, and as myself, I was thinking I'm definitely interested in that again. So it's good to hear that you're on board. And I know, I know, two phones definitely has got to be on board now with his uh, pay raise. Um, and obviously, he can afford two phones. He can afford this. So yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> All right. So uh, today's division preview. We're going out to the west. Last week we did the. Uh, Atlantic Division. Uh, we went through all five teams in the Atlantic Division in the East and ranked them. Today we're going to be doing the same exact thing. Uh, we got five teams here in the Northwest Division, so what we'd like to do is just alternate back and forth between the East and West. Um, so next week we have scheduled the Central Division, so um, we'll have some more Pacers talk then. Um, but I'll just go ahead and start it off just like we did last week with the Denver Nuggets. And you'll see a trend here. Uh, I've ranked these teams from where they finished last year in the division. So Denver Nuggets, they started first, or they were first in the division last season. Uh, they finished uh, last year with a record of 54 and 28. They were second place in the Western Conference. Um, they ended up lasting two rounds in the playoffs. The first round, they defeated the San Antonio Spurs four to three. The Spurs fought very uh, village, whatever the word is. They they gave them a good fight, seven games against uh, the Nuggets. They were the seven seed, and then in the second round, they ended up losing to Portland in seven games. Um, so uh, Portland and uh, Denver. Both, when I saw that series last year, I was like, that's going to be very interesting that one of those teams is going to be in the Western Conference Finals. And then, of course, Portland won and ended up getting swept. Some notable additions for the Nuggets this year. All they really have is one. They uh, traded for Jeremy Grant. Uh, Jeremy Grant was on the Oklahoma City Thunder. He was their starting power forward last season, but obviously with Paul George being a wuss and demanding a trade, uh, Jeremy Grant, they were they were willing to, to part with him and his contract, so the Denver Nuggets ended up taking him on. Um, draft picks, they didn't have a first-round draft pick in this year's draft, but they did have two second-round picks. Uh, they ended up getting at the 44th pick, Bull Bull, which I know we had discussed the Pacers taking possibly at the 18th pick, and then he ended up falling like 30, 30 picks or, yeah, 30 picks or something like that. So that's that was crazy to me. Um, and then also Vlatko Konkar. Uh, once again, don't know the pronun pronunciation on that, but he was selected five picks later at the 49th pick. Uh, noti notable departing players for the Nuggets, uh, Trey Lyles and Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas was injured for most of the year last year and when he was eligible to play uh, he didn't get minutes so really Trey Lyles was their biggest loss um, coming up this season their over under is set at 51.5 which I think is very fair uh, projected starters for the Nuggets this season looks very similar or exactly the same as last year uh, Jamal Murray at the point guard Gary Harris at the shooting guard Will Barton Paul Millsap Millsap, Millsap, and Nikolai Jokic. Um, so Jokic, obviously the centerpiece of the Nuggets. And then on their bench, uh, they have Monte Morris, Malik Beasley. Uh, both of them had pretty good seasons last year. Michael Porter Jr., they're hoping he can play this year. He was uh, in his rookie year last season, but he didn't play. So this will be his Ben Simmons type of year. It's going to be his first year in the NBA. Technically, it's his second. So they're hoping he can play this year. And then also, as I just said, they have Jeremy Grant now. He'll be the backup for, as well as Mason Plum Plumley, And their head coach is Mike Malone. So uh, what do you think about the Nuggets? Do you think their over-under is fair? They're, uh, you know, position-wise, they seem to have a fair bit of depth. I, I foresee them having a good season this year. But what do you think about the Nuggets? Yeah, they didn't really have any roster turnover. That's crazy. Bull Bull is one of those guys we thought would go higher, but NBA draft scouts apparently just hated him. A lot of teams passed on him, obviously. Um, Isaiah Thomas, you mentioned the injury concerns. I don't even know what team he's on now, but he's, he's on the weeks. yeah, he's on the Wizards. Yeah, so it's probably a, a good departure. They're not going to miss much there. Uh, last year is their second most wins in franchise history, so they definitely have found a kind of a core and they invested a lot of money in Jamal Murray this offseason, giving them a max. 
Um, last season, they had more clutch wins than any other team. So there were 67% of the games that entered the final five minutes with a scoring margin of five points or fewer. Uh, they led the league in wins in that area. And they had the NBA's best defensive rating at 95.5 for all the advanced stat nerds. But I think they're kind of hoping Michael Porter Jr. can give them something off the bench. And, you know, they, they don't have any roster turnover like we just said. So I, they're definitely going to be solid again. Uh, 100% a playoff team, in my opinion. So to say that they're the best in the division, it's going to be between them, the Trailblazers, and the Jazz, um, more than likely as, as far as the best players in the division. All those teams seem like playoff teams to me. Over under 51.5. If I was a betting person, um, that's a tough line. That's one of the tougher lines I've seen. But just because of what they did last year, I, I would assume they get that same – 54 55 mark so we'll see we'll see with the denver nuggets but i would say over <coughs> all right yeah i enjoy your uh, advanced stats there um so let's move on here you got next the portland trailblazers last year's uh western conference finalist team yeah last year they were 53 and 29 third in the western conference they defeated oklahoma city 4-1 um with damian lillard hitting that dagger Paul George claiming it was a bad shot, crying. Second round, they defeated Denver in seven games, and then they obviously got swept to the Warriors. Pretty much overmatched. Almost any team in the West is overmatched. It's still impressive that they got to the conference finals, in my opinion. Notable additions, Kent Bazemore, Hassan Whiteside, Paul Gasol, Mario Hazonia, Anthony Tolliver, and they drafted Nasir Little, 25th out of uh, North Carolina, a guy that a lot of people thought kind of fell a little bit. Some guys that left their team, um, notable Alfarik Amino, Seth Curry, uh, Maurice Harkless, Ennis Cantor, Jake Lehman, Miles Leonard, Evan Turner. So they definitely completely revamped their bench, as you can see there with a lot of those uh, turnovers. Their over-under is 46-and-a-half. This is a team that won 53 games last year, so that's kind of low, but I, I think they people are projecting their bench to not be as deep. The projected starters, Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, Kent Bazemore, Zach Collins, Hassan Whiteside. Um, with the guys coming off the bench, Rodney Hood, Hazonia Tolliver, Labiseri, and Yusuf Nurkic when he comes back from that injury, if at all. And uh, they're head coached by Terry Stotts. Any thoughts on the Blazers this year? And if you'd like that over-under, what, do you, what would you bet? Um, I feel like every single year the Blazers are underrated and then they end up exceeding expectations. I mean, I would have never have had them in the conference finals last season just based on what their roster was. Um, but Damian Lillard, he's I mean, he's got to be, if not, I mean, he's at least a top top 15 player in the league. I could argue that he'd be at the low end of the top 10. Um, but, uh, I mean, just looking at what they did, uh, we mentioned with the Nuggets, no real roster turnover. Uh, those guys are used to playing with one another. Um, they had to move Zach Collins into the starting lineup, which I think is a good move for them. Uh, the, the Magic ended up overpaying for Aminu, so they had to let him walk. Um, Whiteside is a project. You never know what you're going to get from him. You could easily get a double-double, but he does have a history of foul trouble and then kind of being a liability out there uh, just when he's playing really really crazy. Um, And then at at times the the Heat would end up putting uh, Bam Adebayo in there uh, instead of him in clutch moments. So I'm interested to see what happens there. Uh, Nurkic, obviously you don't know when he's coming back, but I feel like he's a starter uh, when he does come back. But He's going to have to uh, be put in there gently. They can't just throw him out there and expect him to play right away. Um, And then, obviously, the guy that we always point out, Rodney Hood, Jake's favorite guy. He thinks he's the second coming of Michael Jordan, so they got him there in the bench. So, according to him, this is probably an NBA Finals caliber team. Um, But looking at at the over-under, just because they always exceed expectations, I don't believe that – I don't think – I think they're going to finish lower in the standings this year, uh, but I would probably say over for them at 46.5 just because Lillard's that good of a player. McCollum, I feel like, is underrated. Uh, they got one of the best backcourts in the NBA. Um, and then also, I, Tolliver, I think, was an underrated signing as well. The guy can stretch the floor on the bench. So 
I I think they'll be decent, and I would probably hit the over on them this year. What about you? Yeah, I mean, if they get much more of that under, they're not making the playoffs because, I mean, the West is going to be top-heavy. Those ter- four teams are going to be around 50 wins. So it's, it's always interesting in the West, but I would say over as well. Uh, one note I wrote down, uh, the new best backcourt duo in the NBA, according to Bleach Report, is the Portland Trailblazers followed by Houston, and then I think the Jazz are up there as well. Do you agree with that? Do you think there's any uh, any doubt that they're the best backcourt now? And I would even say the Warriors are still fine. I mean, with the addition of D'Angelo, they're definitely still have three-point shooting. Yeah, I would. I I mean, they're the first, when you think of NBA backcourts, they're one of the first ones that comes to your mind. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of some off the top of my head. Obviously, you have Westbrook and Harden, but we don't know how, how that's going to work out. Um, yeah, Mitchell and yeah, so, and I mean, also, I don't think Oladipo and Brogdon are going to be as good of a backcourt, but I think they're going to be a formidable backcourt, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So, um, I would definitely, just based off the fact that I don't have all the teams in front of me right now and think of it, they're the first team that comes to my mind when I think of a backcourt, so that's why I would say they're definitely, I would probably agree with that. Yeah, in a league that's dominated on shooting, if you have the best backcourt duo in the NBA, I think the over's looking good there for me, yeah. all things considered. Healthy Clay Thompson and healthy Steph Curry, I would obviously probably give the edge to them, though. So. Yeah, yeah. All uh, right, next up, Utah uh, Jazz. Um, last year, they were 50-32, and 32, third in the Western Conference. Uh, they lost in the first round to Houston, 1-4. Uh, to four. Uh, Notable additions, Bojan Bogdanovic, Mike Conley, Ed Davis, Emmanuel Moutier, and Jeff Green. With their draft picks, they took Jarrell Brantley, Justin Wright Foreman, Nigel Williams-Goss, and Mia Oni, all in the 50s. 50, 53, 55, and 58. Guys they had leaving notable, um, the most hated Indiana Pacer of all time, Ricky Rubio, Tabo Cephalosha, Jay Crowder, Derek Favors, Kyle Korver, Raul Nito, and Grayson Allen. Their over-under in Vegas is 53-and-a-half. Projected starters for them, Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Bo Young, Bogdanovich, Joe Ingles, Rudy Gobert. Um, solid shooting group there with, obviously, the reigning defensive player of the year. Very good starting five. Um, bench, they got Emmanuel Moutier, Dante Axum, Royce O'Neal, Jeff Green, and Ed Davis. Um, their head coach is Quinn Snyder. So, any thoughts on the Jazz? Yeah, I mean, I, li- I like what they did this offseason. And I speaking of Conley, I had read that there was an offer on the table. The Pacers were in play to get Conley. Um, and it was going to be Aaron Holiday uh, and a first-round draft pick or something like that. Maybe a second. I don't really remember. And the Pacers owner, Herb Simon, had nixed the deal. Uh, he didn't want to pay Conley what he was getting paid. So before I analyze uh, the Jazz here, obviously we're a Pacers podcast. Do you think the Pacers should have done that deal? Because, I mean, they ended up getting Brogdon, so it worked out for them. But, I mean, it was it's not very much that they would have had to have given up for a guy of Conley's caliber. Yeah, that would have been interesting. A guy, he obviously would have been loved in Indy. At the end of the day, I think we made the better move. That move obviously probably wasn't on the table yet, so making that move, you don't know what's coming. So, I mean, depends. Because, I mean, how much does he make? How much does Conley make? He's got to make – he was the highest salary like two years ago. Obviously, that changes, but he's making a lot of money, right? It's got to be somewhere between 30 and 35, I would think. Yeah, and we got Brogdon for around, what, 22, 24? Uh, yeah, he's slight. He, I think he's at 21, 20 or 21 this season, and that's a, right around where he averages. He never makes more money than Oladipo, so he's right under that, that amount. Yeah, so at the end of the day, keeping Holiday, I think we're all still pretty high on Holiday. So I don't know. I, I like what we did, and in the moment, maybe just giving up a first round for Mike Conley and Aaron Holiday, still kind of a question mark's the right move, but we maybe we had this in the back of our minds the whole time, so I'm okay with what we did. Uh, yeah, so speaking of the Jazz here, here are my thoughts. Um, I really do like what they did this offseason. Uh, they obviously weren't going anywhere with the core that they had, Ricky Rubio. Um, the Suns, thank God they overpaid for him. Um, and then they let key guys go like Crowder and uh, Favors. Um, so they obviously knew that they had to do something different. Um, 
I do think that, and we can all agree, we've seen Bojan for the last two seasons. Um, they definitely overpaid for Bojan um, and giving him that fourth year. Bojan's now over 30, and he's a guy that I feel like his skills his skill set's going to be diminished um, by the time he, you know, later on in that contract. It might work out the first couple seasons, um, but I think that's one of the reasons why the Pacers didn't re-sign him because they weren't willing to give him that fourth season. So the thing that concerns me the most about this starting five, and they might take Ingles or Bogdanovich, I, I, probably Ingles, they might take Ingles out of the starting five and swap him with Jeff Green or something like that. I don't, I don't know what the plan is, but if you play with both Bogdanovich and Joe Ingles on the floor, I feel like that's just a. I mean, I know you got Gobert down low protecting the rim, and he's he's a, one of the best player defensive players in the league, reigning defensive player of the year. But I just feel like that's that's going to be a defensive liability for them. Uh, pairing Bogdanovich and Ingles together. So I don't know how that's going to work. I feel like Jeff Green could probably insert himself in the starting lineup and they bring Ingles off off the bench. So I don't know. I feel like, though, I mean, they won 50 games last season. I do feel like they got better. So the over-under, I wouldn't be surprised if they go over. But um, they do have a great coach, so I will give them that. I'm probably just going to say under just because I do like what they did, but I just don't know if they I there's I just I still have questions about them so what do you think yeah I mean they could get fifth that's 53 is pretty high I mean Portland's only 46 and a half do we think they're that much better than um the Jazz at the end of the day so under I think is a smart bet they're definitely going to be they're going to have nights where they get hot Conley, Bojan and uh Mitchell obviously and they and they're just unconscious and even Ingles so they're definitely going to be able to score, but like you said, perimeter defensively, they're going to have guys screening off, you know, little flare outs wide open for threes defensively a lot of the times. But they're just banking on Gobert to anchor the middle, and any deficiencies he he can hopefully you know hide. But we'll see. Um, the few notes I wrote down: Sports Illustrated top 100 players released a week or so ago has all five Jazz starters in the top 65 of their preseason rankings. Only the 76ers have a higher average rating per starter. Um, Gobert last year was second in the league with 48 win shares behind Giannis. Gobert dominates advanced defensive stats. Um, reason why he's won the Defensive Player of the Year twice and over Miles Turner, who I don't even think Turner got nominated, did he? No. And then the last one, I shout out Justin Zanuck, the GM. I think the Jazz probably had their best free agency maybe ever and force them into like a lot of people's minds is, you know, they're kind of on that low end of the contenders list, but everyone agrees there's nine or 10 teams that maybe have a legit shot at the title. So they're definitely in that conversation now just because of the moves and their star power. But, you know, like the end of the day, their bench doesn't impress me that much. So we'll see. I mean, it's, it's definitely coming this season, but I like the under there as well. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, I, I respect I, – I absolutely respect what they did. Uh, I like teams that take chances, and so they knew they had to make a change. They got one of the best point guards available out there uh, via trade in Mike Conley. And then uh, Bogdanovich obviously coming off his best season. And, you know, me being a fan personally of Bojan, I hope he has a good year this year. Um, but, um, I mean, I, I, I feel like they're kind of like the Pacers of the Western Conference, and I think they're well-ran organization – um, and so I very much respect what they did uh, going out there and not standing pat, re-signing Rubio, and taking a chance on a different way. So kudos to them for that. Yeah, and uh, you can go ahead and do the, the Thunder since I did two in a row on accident. Well, no big deal. So uh, now we have Oklahoma City Thunder um, in a deep division. Last season they finished fourth in the division. Uh, they were 49-33, and 33, which was good enough to be sixth in the Western Conference. As we had mentioned earlier, they lost in the first round of the playoffs to the Portland Trailblazers in five games on the Damian Lillard shot. Uh, notable additions for the Thunder. Um, they had a lot of turnover. They added Chris Paul. Uh, Danilo Gallinari, Shea Gilgis, Al- Gilgis Alexander, that's always a tough name for me to say, and Mike Muscala. Uh, uh, draft picks-wise, they signed, and tell me if I pronounce this correctly, Darius Baisley. I get that right? Yep. Okay, sure. good. 23rd overall, 
and Devon Hall they drafted 53rd overall. Uh, notable departing players for the Thunder, obviously big names here. Uh, Paul George uh, requested overnight a trade to the Clippers, and then followed suit was Russell Westbrook. They traded him to the uh, Houston Rockets. And they also, uh, as we mentioned earlier as well, Jeremy Grant, he was traded uh, to the Denver Nuggets, Markeith Morris, and Patrick Patterson. Um, their over-under for this year is set at 31.5 wins. Uh, projected starters for the Thunder, you have Chris Paul, uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Danilo Gallinari, Mike Muscala, and Steven Adams. And then off the bench, projected to have Dennis Schroeder, uh, Andre Roberson, Deontay Burton, Darius Baisley, and Nerlens Noel. Um, and they're head coached by Billy Donovan. So uh, obviously a lot of a lot of turnover there for the Thunder. Uh, they're not going to be very good this year. I think 31.5 is very generous, but they still do have Chris Paul in hopes that he's going to start the season there and play for the majority of the season with them. Um, but that roster is just yikes. So actually, you know what? Forget it. I'm going to say they hit the over on that, you know? Just do it. You're going to say over on the Thunder? Yep, why not? I'm going to say they hit the over. They still finished last in the division, but why not? I'll just say they hit the over. I'm going to say under just because the lack of star power is is absurd. Um, Chris Paul is not a star anymore. The closest thing they have is, is Steven Adams, and he's a really good player, but you know, you're know you banking a lot on Gallinari to do a lot of your scoring from the perimeter, so I, I don't know. Over the last three seasons, the Sun, Thunder have been like the worst perimeter shooting team in the league. And that will surely be an area that Presti addresses during this rebuild. And he kind of just got hit with the rebuild. They have a lot of future draft picks, so their franchise isn't in a terrible spot necessarily, but not going to be a good season from the Thunder. Yeah, and I always realize I, I say Dennis Schroeder. I mean to say Dennis Schroeder. I say that because my buddy, his last name is Schroeder, so it always happens on accident, but not like it matters anyway. Anyways, can you imagine? People are praising Sam Presti as this great GM, yada, yada, yada. Um, Well, Sam Presti has uh, traded James Harden in one of the worst deals of all time. They got practically nothing back. Of course, you could say Steven Adams, but whatever. That's still a terrible trade. They lost Kevin Durant. Um, they traded Paul George for Paul George, but they gave up two really great pieces. And then Paul George leaves, and they get a bunch of draft picks. Um, and then they lose Russell Westbrook uh, for Chris Paul. So I mean, yeah, they have. Of course, they have all these draft picks. But what good are they? I mean, they have the Clippers picks. Those are going to be late picks. And if you can't hit on first round draft picks, who cares? And based on his draft history, he's never really hit. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, you have the three studs he had, but like since then, what is he, who is he drafted? That's been great, you know? Yeah, for sure. So it's one of the, I mean, he's definitely, he's definitely a decent GM in the way he moves things around and gets out of tricky situations, but not his best run as of late. And we'll see going forward. Yeah. All right. You want to finish off with the Timberwolves or you want me to read it? Go ahead. All right, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Last season, they finished 36 and 46, missing the playoffs, finishing at 11th in the Western Conference. Uh, notable additions for them this offseason they signed uh, Jordan Bell from the Warriors, uh, Jake Layman, Shabazz Napier, and Noah Vonley. Uh, draft picks they had the sixth overall pick and selected Jarrett Culver from Texas Tech. And then at the 43rd overall pick, they selected Jalen Noel. Um, notable departing players for the Timberwolves. Uh, they lost Taj Gibson to the uh, New York Knicks, Tyus Jones to the Timberwolves, Derrick Rose to the Pistons, uh, Dario Saric, I think he got traded to the Suns, and then as well as Anthony Tolliver, he is now a, uh, I believe, a Portland Trailblazer, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, they're over under this season, 35.5 wins. Uh, projected starters coming in, Jeff Teague, uh, Jarrett Culver, Andrew Wiggins, Robert Covington, and Carl Anthony Towns, uh, followed by a bench of Shabazz Napier, Josh Akogi, uh, Jake Lehman, Noah Vonley, uh, Jordan Bell, and Gorgie Jang. 
Uh, their head coach is Ryan Saunders, who is the son of the late Flip Saunders, former head coach of the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. So um, I guess I'll give my thoughts on them real quick first. This team's bad. Um, they're bad. I think Carl Anthony Towns is a great player. Um, he obviously ha- has a lot of talent, um, but uh, he's not the type of star in this league that's going, especially in the Western Conference, that's going to lead you to the playoffs. And if he does, you're going to be a 7 or 8 seed, and you're going to get swept. So Andrew Wiggins obviously hasn't panned out. Um, he hasn't ended up being the guy that people were expecting him to be. I remember he was being like, touted as like the next LeBron James. Of course, they give that prediction to lots of players, but Wiggins obviously hasn't worked out like he was supposed to, and he's making a lot of money now. Uh, That bench just does not do it for me. Um, And compared to last season, I mean, they've obviously just gotten a lot worse in my eyes. So I'm hitting the under on the 35.5. Um, my guess is some of them don't stay healthy. Um, I don't watch college basketball as much or if all really at all, um, like you guys do. Um, but Jarrett Culver, what do you think about him? Do you think he's going to be a good player in this league? And then also, what do you think about the Timberwolves? Uh, I think Culver will be fine with their projected starters. And it's just one of those teams that's going to be real annoying because I think Culver's a good defensive player. Covington's a good defensive player. The guys coming off the bench are good, so they're going to be annoying. They're not going to be the worst team in the league. They have a little bit of star power, so they're going to they're going to sneak up on a couple teams. But I also like that under. Definitely not a playoff team, and if things just fall apart, I could see him selling at the deadline on one of these contracts. You never know. I mean, maybe Carl Anthony Towns will want out at the end of the day, and maybe that'll be a good thing for them going forward if if they can get a haul back. But. I don't know. I don't see it either. It's pretty much the same team as last year with the addition of Culver and, you know, a couple guys on your bench. So I just don't see it. Yeah. Um, and then also I'm going to interrupt this real quick before we get projected standings. Did you see last night Lance Stevenson dropped 31 points in his debut in China? Did he really? He did. There's a – I can't remember the name. Uh, it's a very interesting name, though. I can't remember exactly. But there's a bunch of, like, viral highlights out there today of him just, like, completely dominating. Oh, my God. Dropping. Yeah, he's going to be, like, the next Stephon Marbury over there. Like, he's going to be so popular. Um, we did say at one point he would eventually be the MVP of, like, the big three if he played in it. But, like, I think we were wrong, and we should have just said China because that's the way it's looking now for him. But. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. Just be a legend somewhere else, too. Yeah. Um, all right, so we'll get into our projected standings here, and that's going to wrap up our preview. Um, so I'll go ahead and give mine. Um, at first in this division, I have the Denver Nuggets. I think that, uh, as we had mentioned earlier, this team has you know, been playing together for several seasons, not a lot of roster turnover. I think they're a team that's built for the regular season. I think they have depth. I like the Jeremy Grant trade. Um, I think that they're going to, uh, and obviously Jokic, when you got a player of his caliber. So I have them finishing first in the division. Um, second in the division I have as the Utah Jazz. Um, just based on what they did this offseason, I think that uh, obviously I'm concerned about, you know, defensively what they're going to do. Um, not Gobert, but the other guys. So I'm, I, I I have the Jazz second overall, and then also their bench kind of scares me. Uh, Exum, I mean, is he he's not very good. Um, and then followed by the other guys on the bench. So I have them finishing second, but I think they're still going to be pretty formidable. Uh, third overall in the division, I have the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, I could easily flip-flop them in the Jazz, and that's not because I think they have a better roster than the Jazz. It's because um, they just always, like I said, overexceed expectations. So uh, the Trailblazers and the Jazz, I feel like I could flip-flop them, but based on what I see on paper, I'm putting the Trailblazers at third. At fourth, I'm going to put the Timberwolves. I, I I mean, honestly, I could probably see the Thunder finishing ahead of them, but they're not as bad as the Thunder. This team just stinks. Uh, They're not going to make the playoffs. And I do predict 
that at the end of the season, I could see Carl Anthony Towns uh, demanding a trade out. I could definitely see it happening. Yeah. Uh, and then followed by that, obviously, Oklahoma City Thunder. They're terrible. They stink. Uh, Chris Paul will probably, if he plays, who knows how many games he'll play in. They might look to trade him. So I think, uh, yep, they're definitely finishing last in my eyes. So I got Nuggets, Jazz, Blazers, Wolves, Thunder. How about you? Um, mine would go similar, but I'll just I'll do it this way. I'll have the Jazz one. Maybe they're just starting five. It's just too much for handle, and you know they can Denver. They have, they won a lot of the clutch games last year. Maybe that flips the other way. Denver two, but both be top four seeds. Um, then Portland three. I'll also go Minnesota four, and then Oklahoma City five, just because I I think Oklahoma City is going to be real bad. And uh, that's going to be mine. So, okay. Jazz won. All right. That's going to wrap up our uh, Northwest NBA Division preview. And like I said, if you haven't checked it out yet, go back and listen. We did the Atlantic Division last week. And then coming up next week, we have the Central Division, which includes the Bucks, uh, your Indiana Pacers, the Chicago Bulls, Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Detroit Pistons. So that should be very interesting as well. Um, so coming up, we got a quick ad read from my bookie in Blue Chew. And then after that, we have some random topics we want to discuss. We're going to get a little into uh, football. So stay tuned right after this, and we'll be back. Football is back. AB is in Oakland. Le'Veon's with the Jets. OBJ and Jarvis Landry have teamed up again in Cleveland. One thing that hasn't changed, though, where I'm placing my bets this season. My bookie is the place to bet on football every weekend. My bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it only costs $100 to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. I would only recommend a service to our listeners that's been good to us. That's why my bookie is always the right play. You bet, you win, they pay. MyBookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score in each game. Up to $1,000 first deposit bonus. Double your first deposit. Put in $100 and MyBookie will give you an extra $100 to gamble with. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today at MyBookie.ag. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E dot A-G. And don't forget to use the promo code CHAIR when creating your account to claim the bonus. Terms and conditions apply. Bet, win, get paid. Hey, Chris, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Yes. (laughs) Specifically in the bedroom. Do you want to increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed? I know you do. Well, listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know it works. You can take them anytime, day or night, on a full stomach or empty. And since they are chewable... They work up to twice as fast as a pill. Wow. So you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Because I know you like to seize an opportunity when you see it, Chris. Oh, absolutely. If you can benefit from extra function and more confidence when it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Most, most guys talk a good game, but Blue Chew helps you follow through. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Doctor's visits are literally the worst. They're made in the U.S. of A., and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners and Chris. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code ARMCHAIR. Just pay $5 shipping. That is ARMCHAIR. B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code armchair to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast.
Alrighty, so here to finish up the show. Um, obviously, the NFL were two weeks in. Uh, the Colts are now one and one. They beat uh, the Tennessee Titans by two points this past week in week two. So a lot of Tennessee Titans fans were excited about the fact that Andrew Luck, who they never had beaten in uh, in his career, they're excited to see him retire because they thought they would own the Colts' number. Uh, that didn't happen as the Colts edged them out by two points. But obviously the biggest storyline in the game uh, despite how well the Colts had played, was the special teams, which just has not impressed um, this season. Obviously, um, the biggest name on the special teams that has not impressed is the kicker, the greatest kicker of all time. We've heard it enough over the past couple of weeks. Um, Adam Vinatieri, he uh, botched two extra points in the game and what could have ended up being uh, the t- – turning point for the Colts because had the Titans marched down and actually had a good quarterback that wasn't named Marcus Mariota, uh, he sucks. Uh, If they didn't have a guy like him running the show, they probably would have gotten enough yards to march down the field and kick a game-winning field goal and beat the Colts by one. Um, So as it's been said, uh, Vinatieri had said after the game to reporters that they would hear from him on Monday, so a lot of people had expected Vinatieri to announce his retirement or the Colts to cut him. So as we've learned since then, the Colts have said they're standing behind their man. Uh, They're not going to cut him. And Vinatieri says he had never had any plans of retiring. Um, He uh, just needed a couple of days to think about what he wanted to say rather than talk to reporters after the game. So you've gotten as frustrated with Vinatieri as I have. And PSA to people... You can complain about a guy and still like him. Like, we like Adam Vinatieri. We aren't rooting against him. Nobody is rooting against Adam Vinatieri to miss field goals so they can cut him. If I had to pick a kicker that I wanted to succeed, I hope I wish he could kick to age 70 and be good. I mean, kickers are hard to come by, and if you looked at the list of guys they brought in this week, just my God, they're, they're terrible. But you have got to make extra points extra points in this league so i'll go ahead and defer to you give me your thoughts on venetary and then we can just kind of go back and forth on the entire situation yeah i mean as far as just kickers in general venetary is the only one with a leash this long and that speaks of his career and that also speaks of like the management you know reich 100 percent keeps saying he's my guy i'm never worried about him and ballard you know he, he kind of turned the table and brought in these guys you just mentioned cole headland a guy we had in uh the preseason as as kind of a guy just to, to see what he had cody parkey greg joseph young hoku elliot fry chase mclaughlin so none of these names are sexy by any means so i've been very critical of vinatieri uh, i like you said I, I don't want him to be bad like that would be contrary to com- but like everyone knows at this point he was 17th in the league in kicking last year. We talked about this last week. At this point, he's he's over the hill, and we just got to face it. And I think Ballard made the right move because you kind of have this situation where the coach is saying one thing and the GM's seeing the writing on the wall, like, all right, we need Leafs to be ready for the worst. And to me, you should have been ready for the worst a week ago, but it took him a later week. We got the win regardless of the kicking. So whatever, you win, you move on, you survive, you advance, whatever and shitty analogy you want to throw at me, that's fine. But you don't win in the NFL with you know, consistently missing all these extra points, mixing field goals. So at a point, we all got to be like, hey, uh, we like Vinatieri. He's obviously very important to the locker room. Everyone keeps saying that. But it hasn't shown on the field. There's got to be a move made. I, I, there's got to be. Yeah. I mean, if if – if he hits a game winner next week, perfect, fine, keep going. I 100% guarantee that the stadium's going to be closed. Vinatieri does not want any, you know, outside factors, neither does Ursay. So if I had to guess, that roof will be closed, and we'll see what he's got. And it's going to be interesting. If he misses at Lucas Oil, will the Boo Birds come out? How many? If he misses a 50-yarder, do you think anybody boos? It won't be as high with a 50-yarder. If he makes an extra point, I feel like there's going to be – three-fourths of the crowd booing 50-yard field goal probably like half but if he comes out and the Colts so first part of the game the Colts have been deferring 
if they make a stop on defense, Brissett marches uh, the offense down the field and they score the opening touchdown of the game and then Vinatieri shanks it, oh, 100%, his ass is going to be here in Boobirds, and rightfully so. You can't miss that many extra points in three weeks and expect not to be booed. I don't care if uh, – I don't care who you are kicking. Like, you deserve to be booed. And the people that come out and say that, oh, man, you shouldn't boo him, yada, yada, yada. Like, they're the same people that say you shouldn't boo Paul George when he comes back to the league like he done shit for the organization. Like, calm, out, calm your ass down. People are going to boo. And yeah. – the whole Andrew Luck retirement boo thing, that was a one-off thing. I'm not counting that, but come on. Like, imagine if Vinatieri was kicking in Philadelphia, New York City. His ass would be getting lit up. So New York's a different if, – if, if you win Super Bowls in New York, apparently no one – everyone's sympathetic when you get cut, like Eli. So, but I think New York's a softer and we give them credit for. Yeah. Maybe that's the case, but like, just but then just also imagine like, what do you think the Colts would have done had the Titans came back and made a field goal? I think at that point, I mean, fans would obviously be a lot more furious had the Colts lost that game. So, do you think there was a higher chance of them cutting Vinatieri at that point, or do you think the win definitely negated you know that? I mean, I feel like the win saved his ass. Yeah, the win definitely probably saved his ass, but at the same time, I mean. How many kicks does it take just in general? You know, like he's missed the last like four or five games, seven under 35 yards, extra points included. So like that's a staggering number. He's missing a field goal and an extra point on average a game. All these games in the NFL, 90% of them are, you know, less than 10 point games. They're always close in most cases, unless you're playing the Dolphins or the Jets or some shitty ass teams. And especially with a team like us where we're, we're good enough to compete. We need every point. We can't have – we're not a juggernaut. We're not the Patriots. We're not the Chiefs. We need every point we can get. We need to play perfect football to win a lot of these games. So we'll see. I mean, there's not much else you can say that hasn't been said. I hope – you know, I hope he doesn't miss a kick the rest of the season. Then yeah. No one says anything. We In 10 weeks we forget about all this and he retires at the end of the year. That's the dream scenario. We can just put this in the past. No one's butthurt about anything. We're fine. But I don't see it working out like that. I think I think he's over the hill. I think he's done, and I think the writing's been on the wall all season. You know, if it costs us another game, who do you blame at that point? Because you can't blame Vinatieri anymore because this is the guy. He, he's been proving this is what he does now. So at that point, the blame switched to Reich, who I think's done a great job, all things considered. But I, I don't think that's going to take a guy like Reich down just – you know, holding on to a Hall of Fame kicker by any means, people will be sympathetic towards him. But for me, it's a knock against Reich if, if this happens again. That's just me personally. Yeah, I we would, can move on from that. Yeah, I would agree that if anything, if, if Vinatieri comes back out and, you know, shanks some extra points, I'm not blaming Adam anymore. Uh, any other kicker, like we've said, they're getting cut last week no matter the result of the game. So I'm not blaming Adam anymore at all for this. Obviously, I'm going to be pissed off, but like it's definitely on the organization at this point. You've had your chance to cut him, and if they end up losing a game on a field goal or extra point because Vinatieri couldn't get the job done, that loss is on the organization, not on Adam Vinatieri in my eyes, just because they've already had their chance to say, okay, we're done here. So. Yeah. Any, it, sucks. It's, it sucks for sure. Yeah. Um, anyways, enough about that that point right there. The other thing I wanted to bring up is, especially on Twitter, I see a lot of discussion back and forth. People are, I feel like they're expecting uh, Jacoby Brissett to be, you know, let's first off say before I get on to this point that the Indianapolis Colts have been blessed going from Peyton Manning to a guy like Andrew Luck. So I feel like a lot of fans are expecting Brissett to be the guy that, you know, an Andrew Luck type player when that's not what he is. He's not going to ever be that type of elite talent. Uh, hardly any guy in the NFL is, but he's a serviceable quarterback who I just feel like they haven't really let him. I mean, he he doesn't turn the ball over much. Uh, he hasn't really taken many chances uh, thus far in two games. But once I feel like they open up the playbook for him more, I think he's going to shine a lot more. And he's also like, I mean, he's thrown five touchdown passes, so it's not like he's done anything, you know. 
I mean, yards-wise, he hasn't probably thrown what you've wanted him to, but the running game has been so great so far. Why wouldn't you keep hit running the ball? So I feel like I just see a lot of people. My I guess my question to you is, do you think people need to calm down about thinking Brissett sucks or that he's not the guy when you can't have these expectations that he's some type of elite guy? Yeah, that was. I'm glad you took it there because I wanted to talk Brissett too. I watched the first half with my dad at his house, and I noticed some things. You know, he didn't look as comfortable in the pocket maybe, but he just made some unbelievable escapes from the pocket. He's definitely a guy that, you know, he's willing you know lay his body out there, and the way he was escaping from the pocket was insane. So he's got the ability to make a big play, and there was a, a safety from Tennessee, I forget his first name, Vaccaro, after the game, came up to him and said, you have my full respect. I've never seen a guy, you know, maneuver through the pocket like that under such intense pressure. So, you know, impressed an opposing defense. And, you know, the fumble, I, I don't even remember the fumble. It, you know, it was on a sack, I think. So that's tough. And then the interception they threw was just a little short to the outside. But he's made so many good throws. In the red zone, that, that throw to Campbell was a, a perfect touch pass. That throw the back shoulder to T.Y., perfect, you know, play and, even with Andrew Luck, we're one and one right now. You take it. I mean, yeah. the Chargers on the road. We never win there, all things considered. They obviously we should have won the game. So I mean, I, I think we're fine going forward. Tennessee, I think, is an underrated defense. I mean, they got guys across the board. That's you know, that's the kind of team that they run. It's just a stout D that's gonna. And we ran we ran the ball pretty well against them. I mean, Wilkins obviously had that big run. So I think, all things considered you got to keep the run game moving. We've been doing a good job of that, and that opens up, make things easier for Brissett. And he's fine. I don't. I, the criticism's stupid. He's had one interception in his last, what, 200 passes? Like, it yeah. was just a bad pass. And, yeah. and the fumble's going to happen. I mean, you can't tell me Andrew Luck never lost a fumble, for Christ's sake. So I haven't seen anything. You, you have a guy like Trevor Simeon come in, and he does. He can't even move the ball. Yeah. Like, like this is he's not a top he's not like the guy you said like he's not Andrew, he's not Andrew Luck he's not Peyton Manning but he's still very serviceable and he can get hot and he's got weapons now so yeah and we I feel we need to open up you know the receivers downfield a little more I think we're one of the worst teams in passing plays over twenty yards but I, I still think you got to give a lot of credit to Tennessee's D and that's something people aren't really taking into consideration yeah so the I mean look at the first week. Baker Mayfield, I believe he threw three interceptions against Tennessee's defense. So Tennessee's defense isn't isn't a bunch of scrubs. And if Tennessee does win the division or make the playoffs, it's not going to be because of their offense. It's going to be because of their defense. Um, and I totally blacked out on my second point there. Oh, yeah, I got it. Yeah, Brissett has, you know, he's not making these flashy plays or – but what he is doing is in moments where you do need a big play or you need to get a first down or a touchdown, even in the, the Chargers game, they were down by a couple touchdowns. He, he delivers in those clutch moments where the Colts need to score. So, I mean, I feel like when the time is there, he, he doesn't back down, which is, you know, very good to see that when the Colts are down a touchdown or they need a touchdown late, I feel like I do have confidence in him to march the team down and uh, and score some points. So, if you're complaining about Brissett, you're an idiot at this point. I mean, there's literally you got to take into consideration your options. There's no better option at this moment. He's been fine. I still think we're going to be around 500, slightly above maybe, because I think we've played. I think we've played up to expectations a little bit. I mean. Obviously, our D against that Chargers game looked pretty bad in the first half. But other than that, the defense has been solid, in my opinion. And I, I don't know. A lot comes down to Darius Leonard and concussion protocol this weekend and Desir. If they're going to be able to go, you're going to be asking a rookie and Quincy Wilson to stop Julio Jones with no Darius Leonard over the middle stopping anything. So it's gonna. if those two aren't playing, I, I don't know if we can win this week. But it, luckily, it's at home and – it's going to be a big game. Yeah, and I think I saw Desir and Jabal Sheard were – I don't know their – they were out at practice today. So, um well, Last year there was like eight guys on the Colts that were in concussion protocol. This is a, a Kevin Bowen stat. Um, eight guys in concussion protocol, and on, and on Wednesday if they didn't practice, only two of them played on Sunday. So it's like a pretty low percentage, and I don't think Leonard practiced today. So I don't know. I'd say – 
he's a guy that's going to want to play more than any anybody will tell him. So if I had to guess, it's 50-50 on Leonard. Yeah. And then speaking of, uh, do you have any more Colts points? That's all I got. Okay. Uh, I do want to make another uh, football point here. How annoying is it that – I mean, we've seen a lot of quarterbacks go down here to start the season. Uh, Drew Brees, uh, Roethlisberger, and then now Cam Newton has his issues. Um, yeah. Um, and so, actually, funny story, a guy in our fantasy league had Ben Roethlisberger and Eli Manning this week in a two-quarterback league. And so I completely uh, just – Trade wise, he he gave me Sammy Watkins for Joe Flacco today. That's 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 where he's at right now. Anyways, you're really gonna see that trade in a two quarterback league. Yeah, I saw that and I shit my pants and I said, okay, we're. I mean, first thing this morning, I'm like, I no questions asked. See you later. See you later, Joe. Anyways, uh, my question is leading up to we've seen all the quarterbacks getting hurt or, uh, you know, having to go to these second or third string quarterbacks, and every time I see these people still talking were two or three years out about Colin Kaepernick and that he needs to be signed to a team. And it's complete bullshit that these other guys are getting signed to these teams. So do you get as annoyed as I do when I just see these reports that people still say, I mean, I'm not saying he, he's not talented enough to be on a roster, but you also have to put into consideration the type of media coverage. People don't think about that. Like it's going to be a complete media circus. If you sign him, and also, his last season or two, he was just dreadful. He wasn't very good. He, I mean, he had a couple good years. The year he led the 49ers to the Super Bowl and the year after, I know he was pretty good. But since then, what has he done? And I just get annoyed every single time that people suggest that he absolutely has to be on one of these teams. So what do you think? Yeah, I think people are just stupid in general um, for most things, but – I don't even – is he working out? Is he trying? I mean, he could just not even – he could just well, be yeah, over Yeah, and then himself. you also have to put into consideration maybe he has gotten an offer, but he doesn't – money-wise, it doesn't work out for him. Maybe he is expecting a contract that is nowhere near the type of offer that he wants. And I feel like if he really wanted to be in the league, he would take a minimum deal and then go from there. I mean, I know we have some shitty-ass quarterbacks in the league now, and, I mean, look at the Jets situation, but – I mean, the guy hasn't played in two seasons. I mean, it's just tough. It just I'm just sick of hearing about it. I feel like, you know, 10 years from now, we're going to have a quarterback injury and someone's going to say Kaepernick's available. He's going to be 50. So, I don't know. Anyways. Yeah. Anything else around the league that interests you? No, not really. I mean, uh, fantasy-wise, like I said, I was pretty happy with my trade. I'm pretty happy with my roster here. Um, but I think, you know, from the actual NFL perspective, I feel like in the AFC, uh, obviously going to come it's down. Unexpected, other than the Steelers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like it's. I mean, it's the Patriots and the Chiefs to lose. I probably give the slight edge to the Patriots now, just because Antonio Brown, if he can play, uh, as long as these allegations don't come, you know, later in the season, force a suspension. But the NFL never suspends you for sexual assault. It's just also for a, it's for other stupid things like uh, trying to have a kid. If you try to have a kid and take an illegal substance, they're going to suspend you four games. But Antonio Brown's probably good. They probably won't suspend him for that. So, anyways, I yeah, AFC, those two teams, clear cut favorites. Uh, yeah. NFC, uh, I've liked what I've seen from the Packers so far. Um, yeah. And uh, Rams, Seattle, yeah. all looked solid. And then that Denver and Bears game—I don't know if you watched that. I mean, that was yeah. just—that was just completely awful officiating. Mitchell Trubisky is so bad. Uh, the fact that they could have had to, real bad. yeah, the fact that they could have had Deshaun uh, Watson or uh, Patrick Mahomes, and instead took him there at that pick. He is terrible. He did make a big play, but he got bailed out by the refs on that Bradley Chubb uh, uh, late call or whatever it was. They got 15 yards, and then he made a he made a good play. Um, and then they left one second on the clock. I mean, being a Denver Broncos fan, I mean, first off, sorry for you because you have Joe Flacco as your starting quarterback. But second off, losing the game like that, I mean, just had to be completely uh, – it, it just had to be miserable as Broncos fans. I feel for him. Yeah, for sure. And then the 49ers being 2-0 is surprising Yeah, as well. Yeah, they, uh, I feel like their defense is, you know, 
coming together. Um, and also uh, the Seahawks as well. I believe they're 2-0 and now. Um, the matchup I am looking forward to this week, I think, is uh, the Rams at Cleveland. I just want the Rams. First off, I think – here's my next point here too. I think the Browns have very – they haven't played well at all the first two weeks. They got handed a win against the Jets. I feel like a peewee football team could have went out there and won against the Jets that game. They were terrible. Um, I feel like the Browns have just very – they've underperformed, and I feel like they're going to get their butts kicked this week by the Rams, and I hope they do just to piss off uh, Jake just because he talks so much crap about the Colts. Um, I hope that the Rams just go in there and just completely demolish the Browns this week. Yeah, and then you also got Dallas 2-0, and they're definitely going to be 3-0 because I think they're at home or away against Miami this week. But not that that matters. There's been like five 21-point spreads, and there's two this week with the Patriots and the Dallas Cowboys, yep. which is pretty unbelievable. I would I would take the points on both of them. Yep. Hawk and I are in this uh, survivor pool where you it's a league where you have to pick a new team each week, and uh, – once, yeah, once you pick uh, a team that's wrong, you're eliminated. And then so this week, obviously, I think 90% of people are going to be picking the Cowboys. I'm just going to go and send my pick in because that's who I'm going with this week. It's just an easy win, and you just move on with your life. It's all about you know just knocking teams off the list that you could pick. I'm glad I got my Eagles pick out of the way week one because I don't think they're gonna as much of a wagon as we thought, especially with all those injuries they got now. So yeah, survivor picks are super fun. You just got to survive in advance. So I'll take the Cowboys easy money. Yeah. All right. Here's my last point that I wanted to uh, say on the podcast just to embarrass our uh, third co-host, Mr. Light, now the athletic director. Um, I just want to read off some of the – so it's homecoming week, and you know with every high school homecoming week, they have days where you dress up and go to school. You had that at your high school, right? Oh, yeah. So I'm going to read these off to you, and you tell me if you know what any of this means that uh, he, he came up with. He says he didn't come up with it, but I don't believe him. So Monday was VCO Girl Day where you wear oversized t-shirts or sweatshirt with Nike shorts, has Vans, Crocs, Burks, and wears a shell necklace. Also wears tube tops and jean shorts. Always has a hydro flask. Can't leave home without a scrunchie or a favorite car, which is a Jeep. What the hell? What the hell is that? So what do the guys do? I heard uh, that the guys had dressed up just like that. So they wore their crop tops. And what does that acronym stand for? I, I don't know. I probably should have Googled it, but I just thought it was so interesting that someone would come up with that much detail uh, with the outfit and then a hydro flask and a scrunchie and a Jeep. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't like it. So, yeah, first day there. And then everything else is, you know, they have color war, which, you know, was a normal day. Each class wore a different color. They have dress like a twin day. Area 51 day, which whatever, that's that's in style right now. The raid is canceled, but still, it's, it's a thing. Uh, the other one I wanted to read was e-boy and e-girl day, which I thought was the most strange. Um, so, which was today. We're recording this on a Wednesday. Podcast comes out on Thursday. But this was today on Wednesday. An e-boy who has, or an e-boy has black painted nails, skates, wears black clothes and chains and beanies, and they sometimes have their hair parted down the middle, and they're usually really pale. They got striped long sleeves or checkered sweaters under their t-shirts. They listen to music you probably have never heard of, aka Lil Peep. Um, they complain about not having... A goth girlfriend, goth girlfriend, and seem to only exist on the internet. So, what? I and then here's the e girl. An e girl is a species of emo, usually found on TikTok, but commonly spends time on Tumblr. Can be found wearing pink eyeshadow with a large wing, little hearts under the eyes, and a blushed nose. Normally wearing some type of shirt from Urban Outfitters over a long sleeve striped shirt. So I don't know what the hell I just read, but pretty much what it comes from for me is the uh, our older generations, when we're old and we're getting taken care of by these younger people, we're just doomed. 
I mean, yeah, this is the first thing I've kind of seen and been like, holy shit, I'm old. Like, I don't know what any of this is. Yeah. I would be so lost. I'd probably just show up in a t-shirt every day. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, there's just so much detail. And I remember, you know, when we were in school, it was just like twin day or just something stupid like color day because people just weren't that smart. They just said, wear a red shirt, and that was easy enough. And then now we have these days where, I mean, there's like eight th- – you got a checklist of like ten things you got to go home and you got to get. And I, it just made no sense to me. And the athletic director counterpart of the podcast here, I think you should be very embarrassed about letting these kids do this type of thing. <laughs> so, hot take Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. All right. So that's all I got. Uh, let's. You got anything else? No, that concludes uh, my thoughts. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up episode sixty of the Born Ready to Pod podcast. Like I said, next week we will be back with the Central Division preview. And when you hear from us again, it'll be just a couple days away from from Pacers training camp. So have a great rest of the week, and we'll see you guys later. See you.